The last few weeks, we've been in a series titled Essential Faith Works. I asked the question to begin with, are there some things that are essential to our faith, to living out our faith in Christ? So we started by defining biblical faith. That is, as Hebrews says, the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. True, saving faith is a gift of God. As Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 2, that it's not of works, it's not of our own doing, it is a grace gift from God. That's essential faith. Jesus teaches us that to love God and to love others is the foundational work of essential faith. Last week, we looked at forgiveness. The fact is, we can forgive because God in Christ Jesus has forgiven us. So, do you have to forgive? Well, if you're living by faith, then you must, because God's love compels us to forgive others. This week, I want you to answer the question, am I devoted? You see, essential faith expresses itself in full devotion to God. So let's jump right into the text. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. Here Jesus encounters a man, a rich young ruler, who has a very important question. He asks, how can I inherit eternal life? Will you read with me starting in verse 16? And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear, bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept, what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then Peter said in reply, See, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. So this guy, he asked Jesus a good question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, it may be a good question, but is it the right question? Jesus had just scolded the disciples for not letting the children come to him because the kingdom belongs to them. And Luke adds that we must receive the kingdom like a child or we will not enter it. 
Maybe this man overheard what Jesus said and, and wanted to make sure that he really understood what it was to inherit eternal life. The disciples had things really confused. David Platt, commenting on this passage, says this, Jesus received those whom the disciples thought he should reject and rejected a man that the disciples thought he should receive. No wonder they ask, how can anyone be saved? Jesus is pointing to this truth. He receives the humble and rejects the proud. So Jesus addresses this rich ruler's real issue. You can't buy your way into heaven with good deeds. Remember, essential faith, saving faith, always results in good works. But good works alone cannot save. A works-based righteousness doesn't make the cut when it comes to the kingdom. So Jesus points out some of the commandments. He says you should not murder or commit adultery or steal or, or bear false witness. You, you should honor your father and mother and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now that one is not part of the Ten Commandments, but it truly expresses the heart of the law. So this man responds to Jesus and he says, I, I've kept all of these. What do I lack? I like Mark's account at this point. It says there that Jesus, looking at him, loved him. I believe that Jesus saw this man's sincerity in his question. He, this man truly wanted to know how to inherit eternal life. But he totally misunderstood the nature of God's acceptance. It's not about doing good deeds, but it's about a good God who is full of grace and mercy, who desires that all people be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what do I lack? Maybe some of you are asking that same question. You know what you should do. You, you know how you should act. And, and you live a pretty good life. You're, you're even known to be a good person. Jesus may be speaking to you right now. You, you could probably answer the question just like that man. You, you've not murdered anyone. You, you've not been a thief. You, you're been, you've been faithful to your spouse. You, you would never, never purposely lie about someone else. And you, you're even a good neighbor. You even love your father and your mother and you honor your parents. But somehow you still don't feel like you have it all together. Somehow you still feel like there's something missing. So what is it? What do you lack? Well, Jesus answers the rich young ruler by telling him to sell everything, give to the poor, and come follow me. Pastor, are you saying that I have to sell all my possessions before I can follow Jesus? No, I'm not saying that. And I don't think Jesus is saying that either. I think he's pointing out this particular man's idol. That is his wealth. The one thing that he is unwilling to surrender to God. See, you can keep all these commandments in your own power. Just like this man had done. But God calls us to be fully devoted to Him. And just like this man, we're guilty of breaking the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. At this point, the scripture says that the man went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was unwilling to sacrifice his wealth and surrender himself to Jesus. His idol, his wealth, was more important to him than eternal life. Just think about that for a moment. 
He was not willing to give up earthly treasure for eternal treasure. So what do you lack? Or maybe we should ask the question, what has become an idol in my life? Oz Guinness said this, he said, idolatry is huge in the Bible, dominant in our personal lives, and irrelevant in our mistaken estimations. In his book, God's at War, Kyle Alderman says that idolatry isn't just one of many sins, rather it is the one great sin that all others come from. He goes on to say, you could be serving something that is in itself very commendable. It could be family or career. It could be a worthy cause. You could even be feeding the hungry and healing the sick. All of those are good things. The problem is that the instant something takes the place of God, the moment it becomes an end in itself, rather than something to lay at God's throne, it becomes an idol. When someone or something replaces the Lord God in the position of glory in our lives, then that person or thing, by definition, has become our God. So what are you sacrificing for? What are you pursuing? That's where you'll find your God. So why don't you stop right now and ask God to reveal any idols in your life? Go ahead. Take just a moment and ask God to reveal those things to you. Now, are you willing to give up your idols to follow Jesus? Are you ready to dethrone them and let the Lord take His rightful place in your heart? Jesus' call to salvation demands our surrender. Following Jesus requires our full devotion. Maybe for the first time you realized that you need Jesus. Know this, God loves you. He sent His Son Jesus to die for you on the cross, to take your place there, to carry the weight of your sin so that you could be made right with Him. And if you believe that, that Jesus is Lord, that He has been resurrected, if you believe that with all of your heart and you ask Jesus to save you, the Bible says that you will be saved. You can say a simple prayer asking Jesus to come into your life. In fact, you may want to do that right now. Why don't you pray with me? God, I do want to thank you for opening our eyes to see how we need to be fully devoted to you. And God, I pray that if there's someone watching or listening who needs to give their life to you, to put their trust in what Jesus did for them on the cross. God, I pray today that by faith they would choose to follow you. God, that they would surrender to you today. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that, that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. God, I'm thankful that you keep your promises. God, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for the reminder that we need to fully surrender to you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you made the decision to follow Christ today, we want to know about it. So please call us, email us, or even just leave a comment below and we'll make sure to contact you. If you have a prayer need, you can let us know by emailing, emailing us 
at prayer at newfriendshipbc.org. Now, before you click away, I do have a couple more things to share with you. Last week, I got the news that we had reached our goal for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Each year, I am blown away with your generosity towards missions giving. The map is now full, and we continue to pray that the hope of the gospel will continue to change lives across North America and the world. Now, I know that many of you are anxious and ready to return to meet together again here at church, especially as we see our guidelines here in Tennessee being eased and the state is reopening. I've been prayerfully seeking wisdom and direction for our church. We need to remember that each church is unique and has its own challenges, and it is my hope that we'll be able to meet in the coming weeks. We'll be communicating all the changes, and we'll be communicating an announcement through email and through our social media accounts. If you would like to receive our church email, you can sign up on our Facebook page. Just click the link on the left sidebar that says email sign up. You can also help us stay connected by updating your contact information through our website. Just scroll down on the homepage and click the link that says Update Contact Info. Now, in case you didn't know, Mother's Day is just a week away. Each year, we receive a special offering to support the work of the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home. And I want to encourage you to give at our website or even mail a check to the church. If you give online, just enter the amount and make sure you change the two-field to Mother's Day offering. Enter your name and email address and the other information, and don't forget that you can cover the fees. If you're sending a check, make sure you note Mother's Day offering or Tennessee Baptist Children's Home on the memo line. I really can't say this enough. Thank you for giving so faithfully during this time. Your generosity really does change lives. Last week, I challenged you to forgive because God's love compels us to do so. And I hope that if you needed to forgive someone, you took the opportunity to live out your faith and forgive. So here's this week's challenge. I want you to truly answer the question, am I fully devoted to Jesus? If you need to surrender something to follow Jesus, then trust God and by faith dethrone it and then live sent.